Welcome, everyone. My name is Lucy Burke, and you are listening to the Green New Deal podcast brought to you by Green New Deal Media. Joining me as ever is our brilliant producer, Andrew Glassford. Hi, Andrew. What kind of week have you had? I am inundated with the stresses of getting married and organising various kinds of linen and cloth and flowers. So, you know, very low stakes, but incredibly tedious and important things. How are you? (laughs) I was going to say, I'm not sure how much sympathy I have. (laughs) No, no, not at all. Not at all. Do you know what? I'm not going to talk about my week because it's not. It's not been a good one, so we'll let, we'll sort of uh, let that pass by. Well, I'm sure I'm sure this conversation is going to be very uplifting, and will you know bring some joy into some hope to people that need it as, it, it, as well. Exactly. I, I think what what I really need is is a bit of hope and laughter in the darkness. So yeah. I'm, I'm hoping for that today. So no pressure, uh, Jake. <laughs> in 1993, the general command of the Zapatista Army of National Liberation in Mexico issued the declaration of the Lacandon Jungle. And I quote, today we say enough is enough. We are the heirs of the people who truly forged our nation. We are the millions of the dispossessed. And with this, they issued 10 demands for work, land, housing, health, education, independence, freedom, democracy, justice and peace. Their slogan, Ya Basta, enough is enough, resonated across the world as the Zapatistas struggled against the brutality and injustices of neoliberal economic reforms in in Mexico and and rampant governmental corruption. Now in the UK, nearly 30 years on, we're facing a catastrophic assault on living standards in which millions of people are facing absolute poverty, malnutrition and the impossible choice to heat or eat. And it's in this context that the phrase enough is enough has been revivified to express a growing political consciousness and a recognition that the obscene wealth accrued by a tiny minority comes at the expense of the lives and life chances of the people whose labour produces that wealth. It is time, as Mick Lynch has said, that we start talking seriously about redistribution. So we're delighted to welcome one of the organisers of the Enough is Enough campaign, Jake Johnson. Jake is the elected chair of Manchester Acorn, a community union with branches all over the country, and is helping to organise the launch of Enough is Enough in Greater Manchester. We're going to be talking to Jake about the campaign and about where and how climate action comes into its demands. So firstly, hi, Jake, and welcome to the show. Thanks very much. Yeah, thank you for having me. And congratulations, Andrew, on your on your marriage. Oh, yeah, well, it's not happened yet. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I, I should have said that as well, but he just talks about it all the time, Jake. It's, it's like it's all, all he It's all he bitches about. Um, don't worry, we can cut all this bit. It, it never happened. So, Jake, maybe if you could start by telling us something about how uh, Enough is Enough came into being and its sort of primary demands and, 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 and actually how it's going since its, since its launch. Yeah, of course. So it's, um, it's a new mass campaign. It's aimed at winning five key demands. Those demands are a real pay rise, slashing energy bills, ending food poverty, decent homes for all, and taxing the rich. And it came about as a um, a sort of collaboration between ACORN, my union, we're a community union, um, the RMT, the CWU, uh, Tribune magazine, and two MPs in particular, in Ian Byrne and Sarah Sultana. So it's come about as a collaboration between these different groups. Um, and it's in response to the, the crisis that we're going through at the moment. 
And in response to that crisis, enough is enough is sort of, it's about getting organised and demonstrating our strength in numbers. And it's a campaign that's going to be kind of fought outside of establishment politics, because what we see is establishment politics has shown that it's got no answers for those of us who are struggling to make ends meet. And with the campaign coming from a tradition of trade and community union organising, we're fighting the crisis in the union way. And that kind of means through collective strength, with clear demands and clear targets, and using our power in our workplaces and in our neighbourhoods to force those who are in power to sit up and take notice. Each of the organisations that sort of make up this campaign have individually shown what's possible when, for example, when workers have each other's backs, as we're seeing with the wave of strike action this summer. And we've also shown what communities can achieve when they cooperate and organise, and that's more on ACORN's side of things, on our side of things. And that's basically what Enough is Enough is. It's that, but on a bigger scale than anything we've seen before. So in terms of how it's going, we had 250,000 people sign up to support us within a day of the campaign launching. Um, a week on from that, and I think we're knocking on the door of half a million people. The scale is, is huge, the potential is enormous, and it's because the, the British public are angry. We're fed up of being ripped off, we're fed up of being lied to, we're fed up of being told to pay for corporate greed and government mismanagement, and we're, we're done with we're sitting idly by while our, our livelihoods are attacked. So, Just for a, a, a little bit of context, that, yeah. that, that, that half a million is five times the size of the people able to vote for our next Prime Minister. Well, exactly, yeah. Party. No, I, I, absolutely, yeah. It's, it's a, a movement that's still very, very young and we're already showing that it's got mass national support and I think it can tie together lots of different strands of, of, of society and activity that already exists. Were you um, surprised by the kind of speed at which it all took off? You know, I know that the website crashed yeah. on, the, on the day. What were the expectations when you started the campaign? And, and perhaps you could say something about, you know, how you came up with Enough is Enough and, and the kind of formulation, because I think it's, one of the um, real strengths is that it's very clear. It's a very kind of clear and punchy and powerful and unequivocal kind of, you know, sort of campaign. I just, yeah, I, I just wondered whether or not you expected it to be um, so so popular so quickly, and sort of what the original thinking was when you when you when you started it when you when you decided to launch it. Personally, I I d didn't really know what to expect in terms of the support. Um, and again, it's by no means um, a formulation that I had or anything that it, it, is, it was born out of conversations between these these different organisations, um, sort of on the back of the, the TUC march a few months ago, where um, you saw lots of different organisations come together uh, and start articulating a vision for a, a new campaign that was going to be clear about what changes we needed to see in order to tackle the cost of living crisis in a comprehensive, uh, in a comprehensive way. So, uh, and that's where we're going with it next. So we're, we're having rallies all up and down the country. The first one was in London on Wednesday. Um, that completely sold out. People were really, really excited about it. 
Uh, we're holding our own launch rally in Manchester at Manchester Cathedral on the 30th. We're going to have great speakers like Mick Lynch is going to be there, Dave Ward is going to be there, uh, Zara Sultana. So that's exciting. But also what we want to do is sort of connect, like I said, these existing strands of activity together. So we're hopeful that an awful lot of very good sort of grassroots and local organisations in Manchester are going to be present there to sort of feed into the conversation, the strategy, to share expertise, to create a sort of culture where we're backing each other, where we're taking all of the people who are putting in the hard graft currently and we're, we're, we're amplifying each other's voices and backing each other um, at the same time, uniting around these, these key demands. Have you, so, have you heard much from like politicians across Greater Manchester, whether it be MPs or councillors of such, you want, want to be involved or is it all still kind of... Are they being a bit wary of it and kind of seeing where it goes yet like what's the political field feeling right now yeah I'm, I'm not really too sure to be honest i mean outside of the mps who were who were intimately sort of involved at the beginning um it's it's not a political endeavor if you know right. what i mean yeah yeah it's it's a campaign um waged on on union and community organizing lines now there will be politicians who want to support that and we welcome that of course but it's not an it's not like an exclusively political endeavor. It's it's interesting definition that I think it's because obviously the the demands I, I think are inherently political in the sense it's about like the control of resources in a in in a country. But I suppose the definition for what you guys are doing, saying that it's more like it's non-partisan per se, as in you're not going to be involved in the Labour Party, you're not going to be involved in the Lib Dems or the Greens or the Tories, or whatever. It's like we're doing this and you guys can come and be involved if you want to be, but it's not a space for you to use it for your own, you know, soapbox. Is that is that kind of a, a correct summation of what that is then? I think that's exactly right, yeah. Of course it is political, absolutely. Uh, we're looking to change politics and change society. But yes, outside of establishment politics, um, it isn't a Labour do, it isn't a place uh, for Labour you know, uh, Labour Party politics, but again, we'll, we'll, we're very glad to accept support and endorsement from those politicians who are concerned about this for their own constituents, perhaps. Beyond the kind of, you know, the first stages, which is you, you, you put it out there, people sign up, you have rallies. How do you envisage it kind of building from there in terms of uh, organization and organizing perhaps in places and with communities that are not necessarily you know immediately drawn to this kind of campaign you know because there's that you know I think you know people connect up on Twitter and on social media and they can they connect up because they're like-minded or they share similar kind of political aspirations but I suppose it's it's about reaching those people who might not necessarily be there, you know, in in those spaces. So, what what are the next plans in terms of organising, or have you have you have you got to that? Obviously, it will depend on sort of how it how it develops. But the uh, the next steps are very much to you know to to make use of this energy in order to st- like contact people who aren't, as you say, um, automatically sort of engaged by these kinds of political campaigns. Uh, this is why I think it's important that the focus of this campaign and the sort of tradition of this campaign comes from a union perspective, 
because what we want to do with the energy that we build is get people into contact with their trade unions, get people, you know, increase trade union membership, get people into contact with their community unions. And the the models on which we organise, for example, in Acorn are around exactly that. We, we, we talk to communities who often have been sort of abandoned by mainstream politics and we find out what the issues are. So in Acorn in Manchester, for example, we do a lot of, um, we do a range of activities, but that might involve member defence work, where our members might be at threat of eviction. So, you know, a lot of this falls under housing, might be a threat of eviction, harassment from the landlord, disrepair. Um, and we're very, very good at using our strength in numbers in Manchester, with about 800 people, 800 members, directing those resources towards a campaign to force whoever it is that's disempowering our member into a, a position where they meet our demands. So we, we have activity on that front. We have wider activities where we've campaigned, for example, for the extension of landlord licensing in Manchester uh, successfully, where this is basically just greater controls on what a landlord can and can't do, greater uh, protection for tenants. And this has been targeted in those communities that um, are most vulnerable to that kind of level of exploitation. So that, um, I mean, oh, and, and, and next we're, we're our next kind of campaign in Manchester, which is something I'm really, really excited about, is that we are basically demanding that Manchester City Council stop using bailiffs for the collection of council okay. tax debt. Yeah, that's where we're going next. Um, and that's going to be, you know, this massive, impactful campaign that I'm, I'm thoroughly confident that we're going to win. But now that's sort of Acorn's model. And being part, being part of the organisation of Enough is Enough, that way of working feeds into how we want Enough is Enough to work. And you've got the trade union tradition coming in as well. So we basically want to take all of these different strands of activity and including strands of activity that are external to that, people doing, um, you know, supporting rough sleepers, women's groups, refugee rights groups, every strand of good activity nationally. We want to, A, unite around a common demand, but B, sort of create almost like this network where that work is amplified, supported, people are aware of it. Amazing. The summer has been dubbed Hot Strike Summer. Yeah. And, and I think since the first RMT pickets that happened last month, the RMT said that they had like an extra 2,000 people join the union, um, which is fantastic. Have you seen an upsurge of people join ACON over the summer as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we uh, we launched in Manchester, I'm trying to think, maybe 2018, 2019. Yeah. So not in, not even that long ago. Uh, and we've, we've, we've seen like a very steady increase in our membership in Manchester throughout that time. Uh, but yes, in particular recently, uh, and that's a because people are finding themselves in difficult situations, situations that are difficult to to yeah. manage on your own, and they're looking for ways out of those situations. And it's also through like outreach and like actively reaching out to people. We go around door knocking, speaking to people, finding out what the issues are. I've got a, got a couple of questions from from our listeners. If that's all right, Jake. Um. So we're going to start with one from from Daniel Daniel Wiegman, who's a, a a long time supporter, first time caller on the on the podcast. Uh, Daniel says, 
Uh, as a nurse working in the NHS, I really welcome the Enough is Enough campaign. The NHS is at the worst it's, he's ever seen it. With good staff leaving in droves and those that are left are unsupported, demoralised, burnt out and working in really harsh conditions. It feels so difficult to engage and organise in that environment where the main focus is getting through a shift. Our unions are not connected with the front line. How do we start to organise ourselves in this situation? A nice, easy, light question for you to take. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, I mean, that's a really difficult question. Like I say, coming more from the community, organ- uh, community union side of things, I don't uh, have experience of organising in workplaces myself. My, my best advice would be, in, in terms of this campaign, this campaign is looking to revitalise the trade union movement, get it back to doing what it should be doing, following the example of really radical forward thinking trade unions. Like I say, we're helping, uh, we've, as much as this campaign was like launched by a couple of trade unions in particular, we've received endorsement and support from other trade unions since we launched, like the FBU as left. So we're hoping that this campaign work serves as a model, basically communicating how dire the situation is, what people need in their workplaces, what people need in their communities, uh, and encouraging all of those organisations who are exist to represent those interests to be as proactive, to be as radical and to be as forward-thinking. So we've got a question in, uh, it was from Kai Heron, wasn't it? Um, who obviously writes uh, an awful lot about the environment. And he he says, given that we aren't just living through a cost-of-living crisis, but also an increasingly obvious ecological crisis. Do Enough is Enough have plans to engage with climate issues? And if so, do they or you think or we think that their five demands already have scope to respond to it? Yeah, uh, that's a really good question. I think that they do. Like to begin with, I think that the five demands actually have quite a a good green dimension to them. So first and foremost, I think our demand to nationalise the the energy companies. If you read through the website, it's nationalise the energy companies in order to force kind of public investment into renewable energies. So I mean, I think that achieves two things. It would break up the control of the of the oil giant kind of cartel, and um, we hasten mass public investment into renewable energies because sort of you know if you think about the timescales that we're working with that we need to be uh, that we need our emissions to sort of peak by 2025 in order to limit global warming by two degrees that's three years like we're absolutely dreaming if we think that your your sort of big energy firms who are raking in billions and billions in profits at the moment are gonna sort of adapt to that kind of timescale. We're absolutely dreaming if we think that they're going to do that. Public ownership of energy is a crucial step to basically speeding up the whole process. It's not an automatic thing. It doesn't mean that you click your fingers um, and energy is publicly owned and therefore everything's fine. But it does mean that you can operate on a strong democratic mandate to decarbonise and, yeah, basically take power away from those people who are just profiting off of this crisis time and time again as we all struggle as uh, global warming increases they just make more and more and more money whatever the answer is it's not there and the first step has to be public ownership of industry i think secondly when in our demands when we're talking about better homes for all uh, i think the idea of insulation 
uh, is a hugely important is a hugely important issue here. We know so on the economic side of things, a poorly insulated home is going to spend um, nearly a thousand pounds more a year on gas. This is obviously going to disproportionately affect renters and less well-off homeowners. But there's once again this direct link between the economic injusti- injustice and the environmental injustice, because. Our leaky homes in this country from an ageing housing stock and a complete uh, refusal to to build new homes at any kind of scale. Leaky homes account for about 15% of our carbon emissions. The answer to that is mass council house building, which is housing that's built for quality rather than for profit. And putting that, that investment into retrofitting the existing housing stock, which is expensive, but is a long term investment. But it's that kind of long-term thinking that we're incapable of generating at the moment because we're, we're just chasing the next, the next pound. We're selling off the next uh, public asset. Uh, we're terminally short-term. And yeah, so our, our sort of demand for better housing, I think, really addresses um, and, and really gives scope to address the sort of insulation crisis in this country as well. It has to be a sort of like a transition that, that, that works well, it isn't. So when we're talking about improving and increasing trade union strength, uh, trade union protection in this country, a, a Green New Deal is, is like a new industrial revolution, right? It's a huge uh, moment in labour history. Now, if unions don't have a say in how that's done, then workers in these industries are, are, are vulnerable to just the the sort of senseless, thoughtless and poorly organised transition away from carbon. Um, so again, I think that ensuring that the trade union movement is strong uh, in this country is an, is an essential component of, of ensuring a just transition. Yeah, and I guess, I mean, I, you know, another really fundamental part of this is things like public transport and a really well-funded, integrated public transport model in in the best of all possible worlds, that would be free to use, wouldn't it? And and that would enable people to to be able to sort of go to work or to organise their lives. And 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 you know, and, and and again, have environmental benefits. It wouldn't be about profits being siphoned off elsewhere. So I think a lot of the issues are about you know the kind of extraction of profits from localities to other places and to shareholders or to whatever. I mean, you know, really, we're talking about a quite fundamental shift aren't we I think if if, uh, you know and and all of those I would say tie into green objectives yeah it's just about I suppose how overtly they're flagged as part of the campaign and I don't know if people have thought about making that dimension a bit more sort of dominant and present um, because you know we're seeing the impact of climate change all around us you know we're seeing you know literally things burning yeah absolutely yeah they're they're thoroughly um inextricably linked um to each other this part of the show is dedicated to the fighters healers and conservers of the world that are doing their bit for all of us it's the shout out have you got somebody to shout out to uh, yeah, absolutely. So I think when you when you emailed me, you were like, "Oh, uh, yeah, we'll do a shout out at the end." Uh, so I started thinking about who. 
you mentioned at the beginning, like, oh, it might be enough is enough. Because I, you know, I feel like I've shouted out <laughs> enough is enough. Uh, enough. Um, <laughs> obviously, enough is enough. I, <laughs> yeah, enough is enough. Is enough. Um, <laughs> and, and obviously, you know, a shout out to a general thing like join Acorn in your area, like join your trade union. But specifically, I did want to shout out like a really, really good um, local organisation in Manchester called a 161 Community um, who run food banks uh, who have just opened up a community space in the city that's going to have uh, a gym, cultural resources. They do tremendous work. I really recommend that you check them out. Jake, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us at um, fairly short notice uh, and hope to see you next week on uh, on the 30th. And it just uh, sort of lands on to me to say thank you to everyone who's listening and remember, as ever, if you're helping the planet in any way, we love you, we appreciate you, and you ho- we hope very much that you'll join us again next time. Thanks very much. Bye. Bye. <laughs>show was made possible with all our wonderful supporters on patreon we'd like to give a special thanks to angela brown barbara burke yermund and kaylee woods harley if you'd like to join these fantastic people in supporting the show head to patreon.com forward slash gnd media uk